what do people argue about the most? What do, have you ever, uh, like statistically, do you, do you know that more people fight about this one subject than any other subject? It's true. Do you know that money, uh, they say statistically, is the number one reason why people argue and actually uh, get divorced? So I know that sometimes finances can be a huge problem, right? Sometimes it can be very, very stressful. Do you know that the difference between a person who loves money, the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is evil, right? It says the, the love of money. And do you know what that just simply means? It means that a person, they trust in their own abilities more than they do the faithfulness of God. And so, listen, if you're a guest today, you're a visitor today, it's of the rarity that you ever hear us say anything about money, right? For me, especially because, you know, it's just not my strong suit. I, I, I grew up, you know, I, I, I was poor, you know, know what I mean? Most Everything I've had, I've, I've had to work for. How many of you are like me? If, if, if somebody does something for you and you feel like they begrudge Somebody's doing it, I'd rather not have it. Right? Andrew, don't you think that God feels the same way? That if you reach in your pocket to give to him, but yet you're like, oh, I really don't want to, but it's a law. It's not received, right? And so uh, we are surrounded and blessed by some of the most beautiful men that I've ever known. We have some, really, this church is full of godly men. And the gentleman that is fixing to come to speak to you this morning is at the top of the list. It's like he's a man full of character and integrity and honor. What else did you say? Tell me to say. <laughs> if, if this man tells you something, you can bank on it. If this man gives you his word about something, you can bank on it. If you say something bad about this man, it says more about you than it does this man. Right? This is a man that I trust with not only my heart, my family, my life. And I, I cannot tell you uh, just how much I, I love you, love your family. Uh, you are an absolute strength and a tower, and a blessing to the body of Christ. And, uh, and I love you. And I cannot tell you uh, how honored I am uh, to have you come and to minister to us, especially in the area of finances. Uh, in this church, the elders in my church, they have complete access. They don't have to ask my uh, permission. They can see the books. They can take them home with them if they want to. I don't care, right? <laughs> study. You want to study? Study. And everything is open, it's up front. These are men that you can trust. And uh, our church is blessed because of having great people just like yourself. And we're doing a lot. We really are. And I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful for you. I want you to come, Chief. Just take your liberty in the Lord. And let's stand to our feet and give this wonderful man of God a beautiful round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Y'all can sit back down. That's... <laughs>
I appreciate it, but my wife would give you a whole litany of things that would counter his kind words. <laughs> Y'all lock the doors, ushers. We fixing to start talking about money. Some folks get scared when you start talking about money. So, when Pastor asked me to uh, tell me he wanted me to speak about this, I said, Lord have mercy. What in the world am I going to say? Folks get fighting mad when you want to start talking about money. And there's a lot of people that have left the church when you start talking about money. And that's not my intent today. My intent is for you to have a smile come across your face, a joy come in your heart, and you experience what Cindy and I have experienced. Oh, by the way, the guy that was on the drums, that's my son. I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> really, all I did was pray for him because that's about as good as I could get when it comes, when it comes to music. But let's pray right quick. Father, we humble ourselves before your throne this moment. Lord, we know we're talking about a sensitive issue, but a, an issue that is relevant to everybody, an issue that everybody should take serious, an issue that has ruined a many a man, but yet at the same time has set a many a man free. So I pray, God, that you take my words with the intent that they are given and with the anointing that you have placed upon them, and let them feed the spirit and the soul of every man and woman here today, that they would see a new vision when it comes to the subject of giving to the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm reminded of a story about a person who died and went to heaven. And when he arrived, they told him they were going to take him to his home and on their way, he passed by many beautiful mansions. Finally, on the outskirts of heaven, he was shown a very test and complained. And he was very quickly told, says, I'm sorry. But that is all we could do with the materials that you sent up. I wanted to start out with something light because we're discussing the sensitive issue of tithing. But you know, the Bible speaks of Tithing and possessions some 2,350 times. I counted every one of them. I lied. <laughs> I relied on financial expert Howard Dayton, who's a Christian financial expert, and that's some of his statistics. But 2,350 times the Lord speaks of money and possessions in the Bible. That's more than Jesus talked about love, more than Jesus talked about heaven and hell combined. God knew we were going to need lots of direction when it comes to the subject of money and possessions. You think he don't know us? He knows us very well. Some of you have automatically tensed up when I mention the tithing word. You're saying under your breath, who does he think he is going to tell me what to do with my money? Please hear me. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. So just take a deep breath and relax 
hear everything about this subject matter, that you will give your tithe and offering to the Lord and see that there are blessings in giving. There's blessings in giving your tithe. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, and where moth and rust destroys, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. There's a proper place to put our treasures. And in 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing for themselves treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now these two scriptures ought to excite us right off the bat because they're proved that there's promise and there's blessings in eternal giving. 21, he says, render unto Caesars the things that are Caesars and unto God the things that are God's. As I alluded earlier, some people get real defensive when a pastor or someone starts talking about a tithe. All they want is my money, they say. That kind of attitude is nothing but a spirit of fear and a spirit of judgment. Most pastors are trying to help you understand the principle of tithing, and the benefit it has for you. But the real question isn't whether or not a pastor is trying to get your money. It's whether you understand or not the tithe belongs to God. In other words, when you tithe, you aren't giving to the pastor. You're not giving to the church. You're giving it to God. He is really, if he is really first in our lives, and if he is, you won't give such strong opposition to the subject matter of tithing. You will want to give him your first and your best. Leviticus 27 and 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land where the grain from the soil or the fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. If we don't tithe, there's not but one way to say it. We're robbing God. The Bible says in Malachi 3.8, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the cursed, for you have robbed me. That's not Randy. That's the Bible. Tithing isn't so much about money as it is about honor. We honor God with our tithe when we present our tithes to Him. We should do it joyfully. We don't murmur. When we write that check, we don't say, I get an upset stomach every time I got to write this check. Every time I write this check, I think about all the things that I could buy, all the things I could do. No. We do it joyfully. It's a deliberate act of worship. A deliberate act of worship. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. You know, it's good to have barns just like it's good to have a bank account. But it's better to have a barn and a bank account that's got something in it than to be empty. 
It's even better to have overflowing bank accounts. But most of us don't have barns. You know, there's some folk, folks out there say, well, you know, you, it's not right to tithe. You don't have to tithe now. We're a New Testament Christians. We don't have to tithe. How many of you farm? That's the reason tithing stands today. You know, all they did back in the older days was what? Farm? That's why you brought watermelons and goats and cows and chickens and all that stuff. But guess what? Most of us get a paycheck this day and time. And you've got to be mighty thick between the ears to think that you're supposed to be bringing goats and chickens and cows <laughs> as your tithe this day and time. Mm. So every time you give your tithe and sow, present your tithe to the Lord with honor. This is the heart in which we increase. Robert Marsh puts it this way in his book, Blessed Life or Beyond Blessed. We pay our tithe to show that God has first place in our heart. I'll say that again. We pay our tithe to show that God has first place in our heart. You know, it's been said that the billfold is the last thing to get saved in a person's life. And unfortunately for many Christians, we go, they go to their grave depriving themselves of countless blessings because of their attitude towards giving and tithing. I can't afford to tithe. When I can afford to tithe, I'll tithe. Some of you have been saying that for years, and you still don't think you can afford to tithe. How's it working out for you? That ought to tell you something that the way you're doing things not working I'm going to tell you you cannot afford to not tithe you cannot afford to not tithe here's a simple truth about tithing give God what is his and he will protect yours as you honor God with the 10% that belongs to him he will get involved with the rest the other 90% will go further than ever before because the supernatural power of God is involved with your finances. A great example of that is when Cindy and I was a young couple. We had this financial planner come in our house. You know, you, you fill out a financial statement and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he took that information and left and came back another night and came back and said, you know, your list of assets and lifestyle don't add up. I said, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I said, but I remind you, give God his 10% and his supernatural power will make the other 90% go further. Amen. It'll baffle you. It's baffled me my whole life. We give our tithes in faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to give to please God. And trust me, without faith, it's impossible to give God your 10%. You just don't wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to start giving my tithe because your mentality says give him his tithe. It takes a spirit-filled man and woman acting on faith to do that and do it consistently. Malachi 3 and 10 says, 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open, throw open the window, the floodgates of heaven. Another promise from God. Hmm. Ownership. It's all about ownership. That's where the rubber meets the road at in all this. Who do you belong to? Well, if you're saved, you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to God, you've got to understand that everything you own, all your possessions belong to God. Plain and simple. There's no other way to cut it and dissect it. Everything we own belongs to Christ. Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that you are not your own? That'll bust your bubble. You are bought with a price. Saying yes to Jesus and following his means, laying down your lives and completely surrendering everything to him, even your money. Jesus told his disciples, Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Luke 17, 23, or 33. There's a broader principle in this warning that Jesus gives us. It's invariably that you will lose the things that out of selfishness and insecurity and greed that you try to hang on to. But at the same time, the things that we release to him in trust and in love invariably come back to us many times over. So who owns your possessions? And if you're a regnant, who owns your stuff? <laughs> there is no path to real blessing that doesn't begin with getting this question settled fully and deeply in our hearts once and for all. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Listen to what God says in Psalms 10 and 12. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. My house is his, my truck and my car is his, my children, my grandchildren, my entire family, everything I have is his. Early in our marriage, Cindy and I would pay our bills and then we'd look into the future bills and then we would write a check based on what we thought we could afford to give to the church. Needless to say, we lived from paycheck to paycheck. Frankly, we were not on the same page when it came to... What would you do if you won $25,000? Folks started saying, I'd buy this and I'd buy that and I'd do this and I'd do that and not one person mentioned anything about giving a tithe or an offering. And we were sitting right there in the church. Nobody mentioned about helping anybody. You'd think we'd been smart enough to know that was a trick question. <laughs> that we were being set up. Well, the student pastor who was sitting in the office behind the wall there, he heard what we said or didn't say. And when he got to his term in his sermon that morning, he walked on everybody's toes. It's about ownership. Remember that. It's about ownership. What's the first word a baby says after they say mama or daddy? Mine. 
man, 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 man. And we grow up with that mentality until we come to the realization that it's not really ours, but it's God's. And that he has entrusted us to be stewards. You're a steward of many things that our loving and compassionate God has placed in our care. The question is, what type of steward are you? In Robert Morris's book, Beyond Blessed, which every one of you owe it to yourself to read that book, Read it twice. He says that a life of a wise steward, steward is a good life, a happy life, a blessed life. In order to be a good steward, you have to put God first. In order to put God first, you have to recognize and acknowledge that everything you have is God's, even your money. Many people resist God's instructions on tithing because they fear. They're afraid of not having enough if they give their tithe. It all comes back to ownership, trust, and stewardship. Who do you really think owns your money and what kind of steward you are? When we finally, when we finally put God first and recognize that it belongs to Him, you can become free of fear and loss of insufficiency. In order to understand what God says about stewardship, stewardship, we turn to Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods, the NIV would say wealth, to them. To one he gave five talents, the NIV would say gold, to another two, to another one. To each according to his own ability, you remember that, to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then when he had received the five talents, went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me the five talents. Look, I gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said unto them, him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, like he's excited. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to those, him who has ten talents. For unto him, everyone who has, more will be given. 
and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A talent is a very large sum of money. In today's market value, about a million dollars. And that guy gave one five, one two, and one one. The master gave each according to his own ability. In other words, these guys had already been in the past. There's a key insight in this verse. Perhaps God has not given or blessed you with any more than he has because he knows you can't handle it. A sobering thought. But look at your track record. Remember that story I mentioned about $25,000 in Sunday school when the pastor's comments in the sermon? Well, it had an immediate impact on me and a lasting impact on us as a couple. We started increasing our giving but not tithing. We still sometimes had more month than we had money. It was only when we committed ourselves and our money and tithing that the money started out, outlasting the month. We had started giving more, but we hadn't shown God it was all His, and we hadn't shown God we trusted Him for His provision and that we could handle more. Every one of these men in this parable were stewards. So how does that relate to us? You don't decide to become a steward. You're already one. Our mind, our physical talents, our job, and our time. And it would behoove us to start considering our stewardship of all those areas. We're only focused on the monetary today. We finally realized we hadn't managed the small amount we had well, so why on earth should we expect God to give us more? The Bible speaks about giving our first fruits. Well, when we started tithing, we wrote the check based on our take-home money, our net income. Our rationale was, I give him what I got, what I get. Well, I got a raise one day, and in my rationale, I'm saying, we're doing okay. Everything's going good. So I'm going to take this whole raise and I'm going to put it in my 401k. And it won't long, my spirit was quickened. And God asked me this question. He said, where is my honor and my increase in the way you're giving your tithes? It was that time that I realized that we were still robbing God. And we started to give our tithe off of our gross. And I know that's a sensitive subject among many Christians. But all I can say is taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Amen. Test him. Test him. It's important that we learn here and do an inventory of our own lives if you want more. If you want to manage more, then you have to manage what you have well. Deuteronomy 8 and 18, it says, 
And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. The same is true today. Wealth is for bringing souls into the kingdom of God. You can't be generous with your church, with missionary organizations. You can't help a hurting friend, a hurting family member, or your neighbors if you're drowning in debt and living paycheck to paycheck. We have to learn to live within our means. And I know it's a struggle when you know, mathematically speaking, it ain't going to add up. It's like, you know, you promise God, God, if you get me out of this, I ain't going to do this no more. And next week you do the same thing. You say, God, if you bless me financially, I'll give your tithe this week. No. He wants to see a track record. He wants to see you consistently show and prove that you trust him for your financial ability, your, your financial means. Not only that, if you're not a good steward of your time, gifts, and relationships, then you're going to limit the impact and influence in your kingdom work as well. So if you want to do good to, to the Father and show Him, then you need to be a good steward of all things, all things. In other words, we really don't achieve our purpose and our destiny because of poor stewardship. We will give an account to God for our stewardship or the lack thereof. But I've got great news for you. Regardless of what kind of steward you've been up until today, a five-talent steward or a one-talent steward, you can change. You can start being faithful with what you currently have, and you can count on more being entrusted into you. I'm a living example. The purpose of this message is to really help you realize that it is more blessed to give than to receive, that you will sow what you reap, that giving produces abundance, that giving begins an endless cycle of joy, and tithing is a voluntary act of worship. It's an independent, individual decision. I don't care how you spend your money. I just want you to reap the benefits that I have for the choices that my wife and I have made regarding spending our money. And it's the same promise that's afforded to you if you'll trust in God. God is calling us to depend entirely on Him and tithing proves that we trust Him for our means. I could tell you the entire story about William Colgate, a young 16-year-old lad who had to leave home because his father didn't make enough money to support him anymore. This young lad went to New York and started a business. He became a Christian, and with every dollar that he made, he gave a dime to the Lord. The Lord blessed him. He gave 20% to the Lord. The Lord blessed him. He gave 30, 40, and 50% to the Lord. A mighty testimony of a faithful steward. I only give you a quick review of that story because... The Lord spoke to me and said, I have not blessed you.
That's the closest I ever got without crying. He says, I have not blessed you to tell about everybody else. I have not blessed you to tell about everybody else. So let me first say that I am, we are, Cindy and I, are nothing without Christ. I tried it my way. We've tried it our way. Just like many of you have tried and are still trying your way. It was only after we surrendered to God's way that we became financially blessed to a point that we could bless others and generously give to God's work. We were able to help a couple get a house that the banks told you'll never get a house. I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me one day. He spoke to a man standing at the back of the church and me standing in the choir. Y'all didn't know I could sing, did you? They didn't either. <laughs> when I came down out of that choir, I went right straight to that man. And when I opened my mouth, he says, I already know what you're going to say. He spoke the same amount to both of us as to what we were supposed to give to that family. We went and gave it to the family, and it was exactly what they needed to meet their immediate need. And boy, you talking about feeling good. That felt good. Cindy and I needed a bigger house. So we went, and we were standing out in, this, in the road looking at this lot, and I was trying to describe to her what we could do, et cetera, et cetera. And the man in the house behind us, the house where we stay today, comes out on his front porch, walks out there, and said, what y'all doing? We knew him. Didn't know at the time we knew him. Um, he came and he said, why don't y'all let me save y'all a whole lot of headache? I said, what do you mean? He said, let me save my house. I turned and looked at that big old house. I said, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> he said, well, come over here and look at it. So he said, well, let's just look at it. So we go look in the house. We look at it, and we get in the car, and she looks at me. She said, I want that house. I said, you're, <laughs> I said, you're crazy. You're crazy. So I go home when I do what every analytical person would do when it comes to finances and money. So I know where my money's going. At the time, it was my money. But now it's God's money. And I wore out a calculator. I might have wore out two. And I said, Lord, if you want us to have that house, then you sell my house. That was on a Friday night. I went to Lowe's and got a sign that said, for sale by owner. And I got up about 4.30 in the morning because I didn't want nobody to see me putting that sign in front of my yard. <laughs> and I put that sign in front of that house. That was on a Saturday morning. Monday morning when I got to work, Charlie Bedford, a family member of Tim and Christy, he walks in my office at the fire station. I hadn't seen him in 
I don't know how long. And the first words out of his mouth was, I want to buy your house. I said, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> so that's how we wind up with the blessing that we've got today in our house. Not only that, when the, we closed and we went by the house and the man was going to show us everything, the man wrote me a check for $135 and said, here, fix that rotten post on your front porch. <laughs> I said, thank you, Lord. Then in 1999, what the enemy was hoping to destroy us with, with the flood, Hurricane Floyd, our commitment to giving to God what was rightfully his created a flow of blessings that we could never outlive. We never went without. In fact, he blessed us to the point that we were able to pay off our house some 12 years earlier than the mortgage note date. In fact, in a small business loan that we used to rebuild our house because we didn't have flood insurance to help us. To God be the glory. That's what honoring God will do, folks. I only share these next blessings because I'm bragging on our Lord, not Cindy and not Randy. Remember, our way didn't work. But I want you to know that tithing yields blessings. All your needs will be met. And I say this in all humility. I'm not bragging in any way because it's not me. Because remember my way, I ran out of money before the end of the month got my way. God has blessed us with a vacation home. Now let me tell you that story. When Cindy purposed in her heart that God was going to give her a vacation home, it took a while for her to convince me that that was going to be my vacation home too. So she looked for about a year, and she went through real estate ads, and she'd pick out five or six, ten, and we'd go down, and we'd look, and we'd meet, and we said, no, too small, too big. I can't afford that. I said that a lot. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. And then it hit me. Well, if, you, if we're going to do this, and it was obviously we were going to do this, <laughs> uh, I said, I'm not going to spend that money on something that we can't enjoy or that we got to tell our youngins when they can and can't come because it ain't big enough for all of them to come or I got to spend the next three years of my life working on something to try to fix it. I said, if we're going to spend that kind of money, we're going to get something that, that, that our family can be blessed with. So she found one, and we went to it three times, and I'm thinking that, my old reliable, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. So she starts praying. She said, Lord, she said, if you get the price of this house below this number, I think we can make an offer. And she talked to me about it. I said, okay. The night that she put that fleece out before the Lord, she checked the Internet, and guess where that thing went? to that price tag. So I said, i tell you what you do. You call them up and you offer them this for it. And guess what? They took it. So we got it less than that. 
Some three and a half years later, we've gained over $100,000 in equity on that house. That's a blessing, people. A blessing. Now get, now get this. The week that we closed on the house, my phone rings. And out of the blue, a lady says, is this Mr. Godwin? I said, yes. I didn't know this lady from Sikkim. Never met her, never seen her since. She says, I heard that you would help me. And I'm staying in these, one of these motels up here on 301 Highway, and I ain't got enough money to stay another night. So I said, oh, yeah. So I turned around and looked at Cindy. I said, uh, I said, well, God's testing us. She said, what? I said, a lady just called, and I don't know who she is. She's staying up there in that motel, but she ain't got enough money to stay tonight. I said, what's she going to do? <laughs> so she said, hmm, how are I wreck? We're going to pay for a motel room. So I get in the truck. She fixes some meat. She had a thick supper, so she starts packing the food in the so I, you know, if the lady ain't got enough money to stay in a motel room, she ain't got enough money to eat with. That's from Jesus, not Randy. From Jesus. Come to find out, y'all know who she got my number from? My mama. <laughs> Evidently, the lady had gone down the phone book and started calling. Somebody had said, that God went a man, I help you. And she started calling, and she got my mama. My mama gave her my cell phone number. <laughs> now, that's funny. But if you can't see God in that, y'all need my glasses. <laughs> and I can't tell you the number of times that somebody has walked up to me and said, can you help me? Can you help me? I need this. I need that. Cindy said, she used to say, you got stupid written across your forehead. <laughs> but I think she has finally realized that it took me a long time to pass that test. And now she says, nothing, nothing. And God's working on her too because she's a part of this. And for all of you out there, and I'm feeling a hole getting deep back there, if you got a bank account that says his and a bank account that says hers, pray. Pray that God will reveal the truth to you. Two, but one. So what's mine is hers, and what's hers is mine, and what's ours is his. Amen. And now today, at the proud age of 60 and 59, and I'll let you guess who's the oldest, <laughs> we both have paid insurance for the rest of our life. And those of y'all that had to pay for it knows what a blessing that is. We both have paid retirement. We get a check the 25th of every month whether we want it or not. And God has blessed us to have several rental properties. And God has blessed us with a successful business. Now I'm reluctant to tell you any and all of that. But remember what God prompted me? I didn't bless you for you to tell about everybody else. So I tell it in all humility. None of these things are ours. None of them. They're God's. 
We just steward them. When Cindy retired from teaching, she, she told me she felt like the Lord had laid a figure upon her heart to tithe on her retirement check. Well, I didn't know what that figure, I knew what the figure she told, God told her to give was, but I didn't know what her gross income was. It was new because she was retiring. And I just write the check every month and uh, give it to the Lord. But when I started preparing for this sermon, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, ask her again what your, your gross salary is. So I told her, I said, look, I need that gross salary for a point in my sermon. I got home that night. She said, there's a piece of paper on the computer that's got that secretive number on it. I calculated it based on what we've been given for years now since she's retired. It was 24% of her gross salary. Needless to say, I didn't know I was married to the Colgate lady. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. You cannot do it. You can try, but you can't do it. When I retired, I obviously took a pay cut as well because you don't retire and they pay you the same thing to leave that they can't pay you to stay. I'll continue to tithe as if I was still at the fire department. He did, and I have, and we've never missed a beat. My business is booming, and we've even been privileged to start another business that just fell into our lap, and I, I feel just like God's going to bless that too. We've never missed a beat. To God be the glory. You can't buy these types of blessings. It's not about the money. It's about honor. When you honor him, the blessings will come. But you have to do it in faith. As I said before, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Bring ye, I remind you of his promise. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. We need to remember the ending of the parable of the talents. The one talent person, his thought of his master was so limited so skewed that he chose to play it the safe way. He lived with a scarcity mentality, a lack of mentality, a shortage of mentality, a less than needed mentality. And it caused him to suffer greatly. And he was punished for it. There's another verse in the Bible, Proverbs 28, 27, that says, those who give to the poor lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive curses. I truly understand from my own experience and through observing many others, many of you, thank God for you, why it is more blessed to give than to receive. After today, you'll know the truth. You'll know the potential. And you'll know the importance of tithing. And what you do with this truth is totally up to you. I promise you God will not stand over you and beat it out of you. 
He'll only take it if you freely give it. You don't want the attitude of the of giving or towards giving compared to a cheap husband that went shopping, Christmas shopping for his wife. He went to the perfume section of the store and he told the lady, Can you help me find my wife a gift? She goes, gets this bottle of perfume. He says, How much is it? Fifty dollars. He said, No, 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 that's way too much. I need something cheaper. She goes back, she brings a bottle of perfume, $30. No, that's way too much. She goes back, she gives him a little bitty bottle of perfume, she says, how much? $15. By this time, this guy's getting frustrated. He says, I need to see something really cheap. Clerk goes back, comes back, gives him something. She said, if you want to see something really, really cheap, look at this. And she gave him a mirror. I don't know about you. I don't want to be viewed as that cheap husband when it comes to giving my tithe and my offering to the Lord who died on a cross for my sins and set me free. I close with this. Hebrews 13 and 16 says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God now this I say he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully let each one of you let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver If you're a young person or young couple, I urge you to start young. Don't wait until you get later in life. Don't stifle the blessings of God in your life. As Pastor said in the beginning, there's more arguments about money there's more divorces about money, needless arguments, needless divorces, if only we would abide by the principle of tithing and give God what is rightfully his. So I'll close with this final two questions. What kind of steward are you? What kind of steward will you be after today? Amen.